the diamond. I Empathy Museum presents A Mile in My Shoes. These shoes are a pair of brown leather men's shoes. They have an almost sporty sole and they are lace up with a pair of brown laces. They're very worn on the inside at the back and they're starting to develop holes. But on the outer layer of the shoe, they just look worn but well looked after. These shoes belong to George. This is his story. Daily, I switch languages, call them masks. At times, a mask can feel like your own skin. At other times, the spirit has to struggle, saved only by the tongue it calls its own. The mysteries of life, of the universe, I can describe in English now, although in my mother tongue alone, I can stammer out the words that compose the sunset, make it glow. So this is my study, which is stuffed with books, I'm afraid. Those four shelves are all were my writings. I, I never thought of writing poetry in English. I know there are people, uh, Hungarians, who um, came to this country as very young, like eight years old. But for me, who was 22 when I came to this country, I began to regard English as a kind of Latin of the modern age, as a language of scholarly scientific communication. Perfectly all right. But English as my mother tongue, well, that doesn't, just didn't exist one or oh, let me see to write poetry in Hungarian is actually a joy because you enjoy the sound of the language oh ah eh e it's a musical language e e o o also i have a very musical ear e e u u Hungarian is a rhyming language, where English is a, a more realistic and more, in some ways, more brutal language. <laughs> and here I usually go on praising the Hungarian language, which has 14 full vowels. 14 full vowels. You can't do that. It, 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 no other European language has that many. Not even Greek. U, U. There you are. This is my notebook from 1956, which very few people have. I mean, this is, um, well, the whole year is in it. I was born and grew up in Hungary, more precisely in Budapest, 23rd of October. Now, this is just saying revolution. <laughs> the Hungarian Revolution of 1956, in which I was instrumental in organizing the students' demonstration on 23rd of October. 
But you see, I, on 24th, I was supposed to go to a, a Pirandello play. <laughs> and now everything, everything stopped. Everything. Scenes on the Austro-Hungarian border measure the scope of Hungary's anti-Red revolt. But the political outcome hangs in the balance after a revolt that began with student demonstrations and spread across the country like wildfire. We didn't want a revolution as such. We wanted a radical change through the pressure of students or youth or the people. But after Stalin's death, the situation in Hungary became very bad. Forced collectivization created a crisis in a very, very uh, critical situation. And the university students started mobilizing. They wanted to abolish uh, compulsory Russian classes, for example. But also, why isn't Hungary neutral? Why do we still have the Soviet troops there? And we decided to organize a sympathy demonstration with the Poles, because in Poland you had this huge reform movement. So I was 22 at the time, studying Hungarian and Polish. I was the only student studying Polish in my year. That's why I was kind of predestined to, to organize the pro-Polish demonstration. In fact, I gave the sign to the huge column to start marching. And that was 3 o'clock, 23rd of October, 1956. It, it was like a fiesta, a national celebration, of, of, a celebration of the fact that you are Hungarian, you want to be free. Remember, I shouted to the people, um, it's only students who demonstrate, but I don't mind if there are people on a corresponding course joining. Because a lot of people then joined the demonstration, civilians. So people were in the adjoining houses, you know, and the main thoroughfares, you know, all, all standing at the side. And, and when we started, they started crying and shouting. And it was an unbelievable feeling. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, that was unforgettable. At the BAM Square, already there were so many people, you couldn't hear your voice. But by the time people converged in the Parliament Square, which is on the Pest side, people, they went to the Stalin statue and just demolished it. By then, the whole enormous demonstration solidified in one slogan, Ruski Khaza, Russians go home. That became the main, the main demand of the whole reform movement or the demonstration. I had to leave Hungary uh, in retrospect, looking back. It was clear that I had to leave, partly because of my part in organizing the demonstration. And then during the revolution, I edited the uh, university youth newspaper and, of course, I didn't even mention the Soviet-Russian tanks which moved in 
to stifle the revolution in the end. Somebody told me that there is a, a lorry going to the western part of the country, but really going to Vienna. I said to my mother, okay, I'm, mom, I'm leaving for Vienna, and then I will come back. And she said, come back? Well, you will think about it twice. Uh, we were in Austria already in November the 17th. Now, this happened exactly, I can't, maybe the 21st, 22nd of November. We were interviewed in the British Council for further studies in Oxford. It was almost providential. Somebody told us, oh, Oxford, I mean, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a great place. So why don't we go? And on the 27th of November, we were given word that we are leaving now for England. And it was an army plane called Sir John Warren. And the 25 students were packed into in this plane. So it was a very intellectual trip. Okay, we arrived to Oxford. Students were waiting us for open arms. And the very first day, they were taken to a pub and um, treated with lots of beer. And, uh, and it was strange. Everything was strange. And, and if, funnily enough, it, it gave us a, a feeling of tremendous individual freedom. I mean, the fact that everyone in Oxford College had his own room. I, in St. Andrews, had a lovely room just above the boiler on the first floor. I had the warmest room in college, so it made me very popular with girls who came there to... It, it was cold. <laughs> and because it was a graduate college, St. Anthony's didn't have undergraduates, we had a key to the gate. Closing ours, none. It's probably in this one as well. My wife sometimes says... I am not very logical in many ways. Yeah. But I can express in poems very well sometimes, not always, but sometimes very well, my feelings and my thoughts, which I cannot logically uh, explain. Maybe if I read that, that, that gives you an idea. Translated by George Sirtes, Christmas 56. Christmas 1956. At this stage, we suspect and yet should know there is no way back. The papers paint a bleak, deserted city where sporadic rifles rattle against a snow-swaddled night. Here... Regent Street is one vast jeweler's, and silent night spills tinsel on the bright pavement. We are invited, Andrish and I, to Epping, to an English family. We are greeted with a crackling fire, roast turkey, and an ancient pudding like a shrunken head, preserved in brandy edible. We dance in the vague darkness, embrace the shapely daughters of the house, but sleep with water bottles, not with them. Back home, there are no mass arrests as yet, 
The writer's union functions, but omens are bad. Not knowing, though suspecting what may follow, in our case, Oxford, for friends who stayed behind the well-known prisons, semi-skilled employment, a dark, low Christmas this, the last we spend, or even partly spend, in Hungary. George's story was produced by Rose de Larabaiti. His shoes are part of a growing collection of footwear hosted by the Empathy Museum's A Mile in My Shoes exhibition. The shoes and stories come from all over the world. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram to find out where we are going next.